But let's face it, we do not know what to do with Pinchas, the title character of this Parsha. In last week's Parsha, he ran a spear through two people who were in the midst of a sex act. True, his action stopped a plague that had already killed 24,000 people, but were the means justified? True, Moses and the whole community saw this happening, exactly the kind of act that was causing the plague and were immobilized, sitting weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and only Pinchas acted to stop God's plague. But do we want to celebrate that kind of zealotry? Well, apparently God does, because this week's portion opens with a tribute to Pinchas by God and the bestowal of a special pact of friendship or covenant of peace for Pinchas and all of his descendants throughout time. Let's look at exactly what God says and what Matt chanted. Pinchas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the Israelites by displaying among them his passion for me, so that I did not wipe out the Israelite people in my passion. Say, therefore, I grant him my pact of friendship. It shall be for him and his descendants after him a pact of priesthood for all time because he took impassioned action for his God, thus making expiation for the Israelites. In these three verses, the word kana, the root kana, kuf, nun, aleph, appears four times. Kana means to possess, to be jealous, to be zealous, or to be passionate. God is described in many places in the Torah with that root, as in God saying, the children of Israel will be a treasured possession to me for all time, or is, as in God's self-description as a jealous God, easily angered by Israelite worship of other gods, which, by the way, was what was happening here. The slide from possession to jealousy to anger to violence happens quickly and repeatedly to God in the Torah. And here we have Pinchas, who seems to feel and embody God's own jealousy. God says of him, Bekan'o et kinati, in his zealotry for my jealousy. Pinchas is acting on God's behalf, thereby averting more violence from God. There's so many different ways I could take this and things I could say about it. And I know so far what I've said has not helped us at all with our Pinchas problem. We, I think most of us don't really like Pinchas. You can totally disagree with me if, if you love him, but I think generally many of us don't like him. And I think that many of us think that what I've described here and what the Torah describes is dangerous. We know Pinchas is dangerous because we know people like Pinchas, the Baruch Goldsteins of the world. If people don't know, Baruch Goldstein was a follower of Mayor Kahane and the Kach party who on Purim in 1994 murdered 29 Muslims and wounded 125 more in the cave of the patriarchs in Hebron in an act of religious zealotry. The Smotriches and Ben Gavirs of the current Israeli government and religious nationalist settlers movement who believe that their violence and violation of Palestinian human rights is in defense of God are direct descendants of Baruch Goldstein. This week's Parsha valorizes that kind of action, bestowing upon it a breach shalom, a covenant of peace. We better bet that seven hours ago, synagogues across the West Bank were teaching this very text to justify illegal occupation. You don't need me to tell you how dangerous that is. We don't even have to look to Israel to see examples of this, as the zealotry doesn't have to involve direct violence to still be zealotry. Look at the US Supreme Court whose majority has, in the last year, acted out of zealotry, out of a belief that they know what God wants, and have used their power to enact 
their version of God's will on other human beings, risking the life and health of women and LGBT people and the meager equity gains of people of color in this country. Now this year, when looking at this Parsha and grappling with this problem, I studied Mayor A. Naim's take on Pinchas. And you may, if you've come regularly on Shabbat, know that I've been studying Mayor A. Naim all year. And I saw this Parsha from a slightly different angle. Mayori Naim is, by the way, another name for Rabbi Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl, a Hasidic rabbi of the 18th century. And the experience of studying his take on Pinchas reminded me of a Buddhist teaching I learned long ago called the near enemy. There are equivalents of this idea in the Musar tradition of Judaism. The idea is that sometimes two qualities that are very, very close to each other, just a hair's breadth apart, can be radically different, even oppositional. And what Maori Naim was talking about, for, about this Parsha, is passion. Another definition of kana, beside possession, jealousy, or zealotry. Maori Naim was talking about the danger of a lack of passion. That when we have insufficient passion, our words and our actions, or our thoughts and our words, become separate from each other. There grows a lack of unity or integrity within us. He is concerned in particular with prayer and the way that we can recite words and not mean them, that the words can become empty shells. He reads the Brit Shalom, the covenant of peace, as shalem, wholeness, unity. And he argues that passion is a necessary ingredient for that wholeness. That if you are praying about or for a future, a future of redemption, that you don't really believe can happen, that you don't really believe will happen, or you maybe believe it intellectually, but not with the fire in your belly, your words will become empty. And I'd add that your actions will as well. He says that true prayer cannot take place without passion for, in his wor world worldview, the Messiah. And we might translate that as passion for the Messianic age, for the idea that the world can and will become redeemed that there is a world of justice and peace and freedom and love available to us if we move toward it. And if we cannot see it, if we cannot feel it inside of us, well, what are our prayers? That's the question he's asking. And he goes further to say that Pinchas, get this, Pinchas was Elijah. That Pinchas had inherited the souls of Nadav and Avihu, his uncles, who had Elijah in them. So much so that their souls left their bodies, so much so, I mean, to an extreme, that the fire was so strong in them, it consumed them. And that was the fire that consumed them. Now, that is not the model we want to seek. But he goes on to say that when Scripture says that God sends Elijah, it does not say will send. It's not future tense. But it's in the present tense ongoing. Meaning that even now, God is sending Elijah that God is always sending Elijah, that Elijah is available to us all the time, that we have the ability to embody great passion, and that Elijah, that energy, is heralding all that is whole, and that we need great passion and longing for that world that Elijah is heralding in order to be whole. In every generation, he says, we're building up the form of that Mashiach, of that Messianic age, that every one of us has to prepare the form of that Messianic age that is unique within our own soul. And to do so, we have to see it and feel it. 
And the way that we do that is to find that Elijah energy within us, that passion and longing for the world that is coming so that we can fill our prayers with it and our actions. Now, all of this got me to thinking about how this congregation actually feels different since the pandemic. And probably not just this congregation, probably many communities, maybe everyone. How could we not be? We've been focused just on survival. And one of the ways I find that we're noticeably different is around passion. We used to be a place that was suffused with it, maybe even a little too much, but certainly a lot. I used to get messages every week expressing outrage about something in the world, urging me to speak or to act or to start a group. People would come up to me after services riled up, and I was like that too, you might remember. There are benefits to being calmer, but it also looks and feels a lot like exhaustion and resignation. And I wonder if it isn't time to get our passion back, not zealotry, to be clear, but passion. And I wonder if it isn't time to activate that little bit of Elijah in each of us. Shabbat shalom. <laughs>